Warning. This episode contains many references to disgusting sexual acts and violent situations. If you are under 18, sensitive and or offended by such things, do not listen to this episode. The movies being discussed are very offensive and there is no way to talk about them without describing what they contain. You have been warned. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Thank you for returning your VHS tapes, folks. Mark, Scott, and I are back to talk about some more shot-on-video horror films. And tonight, the films we're going to be discussing are Hugh Gallagher's Gorgasm, Gorotica, and Gore Horror. Mark, what do you think about coming back to the shot on video? Well, has it been treating you okay? I'm I'm 
on one hand digging it and on the other hand wondering what i got myself into oh uh, yeah tonight especially <laughs> especially with these uh yeah i'm no i'm digging this uh like i said a lot of these i wasn't aware of at the time because i was not as a a uh a well rounded individual as i was when i was younger so i didn't seek some of this stuff out so it's really cool to see some of this stuff it's it's kind of like a window into that time period uh especially with some of the subject matter that uh, particularly these movies cover uh especially with i think it was uh gorotica um uh, well, oh, it's no, gonna no. be an interesting uh, one to talk about yeah gorotica was the one that definitely i was like wow this is definitely the sign of the 90s <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, this is I'm going to be very honest about this. These were movies that I was very aware of back in the 90s, but I never saw. So these are all new views. First time views for me. Scott Davis, were these first time views for you? They are. They were. I mean, I've I've had gore horror for a while, and I used to actually see that on the uh, a couple shelves uh, a long time ago. Uh but um, I decided uh, th- I decided that uh, go- see I on my show Moviocrity I open with uh, this on anything that has like you know lots of you know sex and violence in the episode uh, that I think okay the kids shouldn't probably be watching this episode I'll put up a little like jokey disclaimer. And I'll like have the guy from Blood Feast come on there, and but I'll have him overdubbed, and he's saying, you know, this the following episode may contain violence, nudity, and adult content. And the first thing it says when he says violence is it's the climactic shot from Gore Horror, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. So I figured, okay, I've had it all these years. I've never actually watched it, but I've poached the damn footage for about <laughs> for about you know half the Moviocrity episode. So. I should watch this movie. And oh, so boy. this was a this was a ripe opportunity to <laughs> to get that that little thing crossed off my bucket list there, Derek. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I'm glad I gave you the opportunity to do so, Scott. Oh yeah. Let me tell you, I put a warning at the beginning of this episode for a very good reason. And I'll do it again just in case you didn't listen. I only do warnings on very specific episodes and uh, it's usually the horror porn parody episodes where I warn everybody. If you don't like people talking about crass sexuality in a very frank way, this is not going to be the episode for you. So please turn it off. But if you don't mind us talking about boobs, dildos and fucking dead people, Continue on. Have have a good time because we're going to be talking about a lot of that shit tonight. And uh, why don't we go ahead and push forward past the pleasantries and let's get started with 1990s Gorgasm. Major S and M to me. People are actually aroused by this kind of stuff. It's a cold, cruel world out there. 
bigger than life. Now, Scott Davis, would you like to give a synopsis to my listeners of what is Gorgasm? No. <laughs> but but i will (laughs) uh gorgasm is about this uh uh cop who's always been like shuffled to desk duty in this really crappy uh, wood paneled office that kind of looks like it's in the you know the back like room of a church fellowship hall and um he's been doing surfing the desk all these years while his uh, incredibly monotone boss tells him that he's not suited for everything else, anything else then. And so he gets a chance to go out on the street and investigate these crimes. And he discovers that it's this woman who is uh, putting these ads out in, in the back pages of like these adult catalogs uh, saying, we will, I will give you the ultimate thrill gorgasm. And it's, Basically, these guys, you know, try to get in touch with her and then she gets in touch with a select few. And what she's basically doing is she's taking all of their money, says you won't need it, and uh, gives them the ultimate thrill. She ties them up and, you know, dances around, you know, topless and murders them. And it's basically this movie about, you know, combining sex and death and lots of, you know, existential nihilism bullshit and stuff added with some like really cheap special effects. Yeah. That goes on for 90 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) It's a bit padded. I'd say (laughs) padded as padded as this lady's breasts. (laughs) She's gorgeous. One funny thing before we get more too much into this movie is I'm on imdb.com. And when you look at the poster, they have up for gorgasm on IMDb. It is the box art, the original box art, which is Gorgasm, subtitled Ultimate Climax, which is what the lady, you know, professes to give her clients the ultimate climax, which is death. But the poster on IMDb is uh, the woman in Johnny Dickey, the director, the director of uh, Slaughter Tales, his face on top of her. <laughs> You're staring at it, and it's this chick with these huge knockers and fucking Johnny Dickey's face on top of it. I just can't get over the fact that nobody's changed this. This is the fucking cover for this thing because uh, I'm very confused, very confused, and kind of disturbed, to be honest. But Gorgasm. Oh, it literally is <laughs> boobs and blood. There is really nothing more to this for a movie that is essentially a soft core kind of like fetish thing. It goes on way too long. Mark, what did you think of this? Yeah, it was a fetish movie, although out of the three, it is the most tame movie <laughs> which isn't saying much, but uh yeah, it, it gets a little repetitious in here, similar to, you know, say, Orgy of the Dead, but without that kind of fun spirit. Uh, as Scott already mentioned, the police detective office was was hilarious. Although I will say that he does get some really good fun lines in there. Like, uh, you know, there's some fun dialogue from the cop in here, particularly uh, when he goes visits the uh, porn producer, uh, who, oh, that's one of my favorite scenes. 
That's like the, but that's like the highlight of this movie is actually when he goes sees the porn producer. Everything else about this is kind of standard. Someone doing this because they can all oh, look naked. But, you know, they get to the porn producer who drops the F-bomb every other word, which is hilarious. But at one point he he yells at the guy and he, uh, the guy doesn't want to give up the information. And so the, the cop goes, I'm going to investigate your business, your movies, your tax return. That woman's dead. <laughs> i just laughed i laughed i'm like oh my god that, that was and there there are spots in this film that are are bright spots like that either some of the gore effects in here that look really good or some of the dialogue but most of it yeah i mean you're like sitting here going this could have easily been a short film and probably been a lot better because you get your idea within the first five minutes of this movie Oh, yeah. It's rinse and repeat. It's basically the John calls up the the really hot woman that kills everybody. She shows up, dances around with them tied up. She takes her breasts out and then proceeds to kill them. Rinse and repeat for the rest of the movie. Now, the scene you just described with the producer, the sleazy uh, producer, that is actually co-executive producer of this movie he <laughs> he put up half of the money for the movie there's a great series uh on vimeo called sov the true in uh independence and what that is is a is a video series based around the shot on video horror films and they have an addition like a 10 15 minute long interview with Hugh Gallagher for each of these movies. And I recommend you guys go check them out because Hugh Gallagher is a very entertaining interview. Uh, he, uh, you can tell where some of the humor and the levity that are in these extremely morbid and gross movies come from because he's a very lighthearted dude. And he just likes very perverse things in <laughs> every now and then. And this is what made Gorgasm kind of palatable, even though it was rather boring because it's just the same thing over and over and over again, was that it was, it was kind of lighthearted and it was mm -hmm. kind of silly. Scott. That's first of all, that is a good, that I did watch those interviews and that's a good series. I just started following it on Vimeo after watching the interviews. So I, I'd recommend people check that out too. Uh, I actually, I like this one. Uh, and, uh, it is, as I mentioned, and as I joked about earlier, you know, uh, you wouldn't know from my, from my, my little description, but I did enjoy this movie, uh, despite some of the bad acting and despite, you know, that it, the movie is very, very padded, yet lots of music, you know, extended music sequences, lots of, you know, they won't just you won't just see the person getting whipped for, you know, 10 seconds. You'll see him whipped for like three, four minutes, you know. Uh, but I liked where they were going with this movie on the ultra cheap. It kind of reminded me now around like the early 80s, like mid 70s, early 80s, when Abel Ferrara was putting out those movies in uh, New York City. Uh, that were kind of arty, but mo but it was they were very sleazy, but they were arty and quirky enough to kind of get almost like recognized apart from something else. Like you would recognize Driller Killer as being different than, say, Don't Answer the Phone, mm -hmm. uh, or uh, another ones that he did that I would think would be great. Miss Forty Five and one's fantastic was Fear City. Yep. Uh, around this that time, this kind of reminded me like if somebody took. An, a super VHS camcorder 
and did an ultra, 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 ultra cheap Abel Ferrara type movie for the flyover states. And uh, so I liked I liked what they were how they showed this the you know our lumpy faced detective going <laughs> from you know desk jockey to this person who's just getting more and more and more disillusioned as time went on and kind of starting to understand the perversity behind this acting like really disgusted at first but then starting to kind of come to an understanding about it uh, I liked. What I liked some of the weird kind of undercurrents in this movie. Uh, it's not perfect, but I mean, it's a really unpolished film, you know, as as I think even the director would say. Um, it's too long. Uh, it's very padded. And, you know, the editing really needs some work. But uh, I, I dug this movie, actually. I was surprised how much I liked Gorgasm. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the production value is actually pretty decent for yeah. what this thing is. It's shot well. It's edited well. It's just and, – and Hugh makes reference to this in his interview that he was aiming to sell this to distributors and forcing himself to have to put in a 90-minute movie. Oh. And I, I really do think that if he had kept it like the next two movies we'll talk about um, to around like the hour, an hour and 10 minute mark, this would have been a much better movie. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But the one thing that really saves this movie, I, I'm going to put a caveat other than obviously the cops boss who is one of the worst actresses probably ever to grace the screen. Just terrible. I don't even mention bad acting in low-budget films unless it is really, really bad. This was really bad. Obviously, reading off of a cue card off the side, it's just she is just atrocious. But uh, all the acting is is pretty decent. And Rick Billock, who, who is the lead, of this movie was actually in quite a number of films that we will know as genre fans. He was in the dark half. He was in the remake of the night of living dead. He was in monkey shines, dawn of the dead in flesh eater. Wow. So, and mostly small parts. Well, he kind of, you know, looked familiar, but I couldn't figure out like, well, why would I know him? I certainly didn't see him star in anything else. I don't think so. Yeah! Wow! It, it looks like it looks like on the IMDb, it looks like he's even in the the barn mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I I enjoyed this. I, I'm with Scott. Actually, I, I did enjoy it outside of the padding. One of my again, it's because of like you said, the lightheartedness. Like when he's going through the VHS tapes of of the house where the first victim and he's looking through them all and reading off the really crazy lines and he gets to sadist slave stable and then he very (laughs) he very subtly slides it into his pocket (laughs) you know he's acting all disgusted while he's reading these titles off to himself and then he just looks at the last one and just kind of he doesn't like look around or bring any emphasis to it but you just watch him slide it to his pocket and it actually plays in later but i love all the little there's some nuanced stuff in here and even you know you gotta look past the weed whacker with absolutely no whacker in it yeah Um, (laughs) that comes right at camera (laughs) that was that was hilarious i laughed my ass off at that (laughs) that made me laugh so hard i'm just sitting here going there's there's no (laughs) or the capitation where she cuts off the head and it just flies up yeah (laughs) 
So, I mean, it, it does. It has a light spirit to it. It's just that padding that, that kind of drags you out a little bit, you know, that, that you're kind of checking your clock every so often. Yeah, this one, I have to say, probably of all three of them, handles its subject matter actually with a tone of seriousness. Like there's there's actually an underlying message that's going on in Gorgasm compared to the other two, which are straight up sleazeball exploitation flicks. Um, Gorgasm, there's especially with the lead, there's this underlying theme of... Um, obsession with pornography and repressed sexuality yeah. that runs through this entire movie. And because uh, the vast majority of the movie has to deal with men because this is pre-internet. So the only way that you were able to get some of these escorts other than, you know, streetwalkers or whatever, were these ads in the back of magazines or in zines or in porno mags or in things like that. These men trying to find their fetishes and slowly but surely the lead actor the the cop he's just like getting into this more and more and more until the end where i almost thought the final battle he was almost just fighting himself like he almost didn't want to kill her Mm -hmm. did you did you kind of feel that way scott yeah yeah he's uh you know he makes (coughs) you know some you kind of figure if you thought, okay, now if the director, if the people are who are doing this are going to be really clever and smart, they're giving us a hint early on. And they did when he is so disgusted and so like very vocally, you know, condemns uh, the weird fetishes, not just not just her murdering people, but the weird fetishes people get into. And you think, okay. It's just like, you know, it's basically, you know, kind of like uh, if you listen to any like right wing, you know, politician or pastor, the more they say, I think gay people are the devil. He's flaming. OK, he's in a really sad, uh, sordid way, though, that like speaks to a lot of deep personal hypocrisy and shame and i you get that kind of feeling about this guy uh there's a great scene where he goes into this video store this adult video store and he talks to this uh, the guy behind the counter i have no idea what the story is about this guy behind the counter if he was actually a an owner of an adult video store or if he was uh just somebody on the crew or something he does not seem like an actor he really seemed like one of the many clerks at, at video adult video stores I've seen and very, very matter of factly says like, Oh, well, you know, people are just into their thing. Like, Nope, you can't judge him. You know, you can't judge him. And he's, it's a wonderful moment because he, even then the detective is trying to make such a big show about, well, not me. This is awful. Like, and you know, like when oh, he's secretly no. at home, kind of just obsessing over this. Oh, stuff. you just know. Yeah. You just know like, wow, the claws are getting sunk in deep on this guy. And it's this, that's what I thought the most interesting part of the movie was. Like, it's just this growing obsession that dealt with, you know, sexual repression, uh, sex mixed with violence, that kind of stuff. How they, that movie explored this, you know, and, you know, had its fun, too, showing the really cheesy scenes about, you know, limbs getting lopped off and everything like that. You know, it, the movie knew to have fun, but knew to have kind of this weird psychological 
a psychological uh, you know undercurrent to it that's why i brought up a bell ferrara before you know even though this is not the urban jungle environment of those movies i kind of got that same feeling from this that i would from something like fear city or driller killer or something like that yeah there's there's definitely a very dark undercurrent and you could tell that there's a little there was care taken to the story while obviously this is straight up exploitation the vast majority of this movie is a bunch of titty shaking (laughs) Mm -hmm. a lot and thankfully the lead titty shaker was gorgeous gabriella oh Mm -hmm. very thankful that she was naked almost the entire movie it uh, it made this movie much more palatable. Unfortunately, you know, in the end, I was just kind of bored with it after a while. About halfway through, I was like, okay, I get it. We're just going to keep watching this bumbling cop muff his way through every single situation he gets into. And then this chick's going to take her top off and kill some random schlub that'll look straight into the camera and then look off camera. And... I just didn't care anymore. And even if it was a little bit of fun, I I don't know. Of the three movies tonight, this was my least favorite. Easily my least favorite. Even though it probably had the best production. It definitely looked the best <laughs> compared to the other two we saw. So that's, that's my thoughts on Gorgasm. I just, honestly, there's not a hell of a lot to really talk about beyond what we just talked about. It's It's kind of a pretty simple movie. Mark, you dug this, didn't you? I did dig it. Yeah, I I dug it. I, outside of it being long, there were parts in there that uh, I really enjoyed. I thought the narrative, you know, it, it did get s- slow in spots as well. I thought it had some padding, but overall, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think out of the three, did I enjoy it the most? Nah, it's hard to say with these three <laughs> films because each one is, is, is different. But uh, yeah, yeah, I dug it, <laughs> except for... There is the dialogue in there at the end when he's reading her journal and and she wrote in there, when I look out the window of my home, my home is on ground level. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was was an odd little thing to just throw in there. I was like... I just, I laughed. I was like, oh, what are we going for naked gun? Because that was like, that was like right out of a naked gun type of skit. Going. Well, I mean, she's explaining it to the guy. She's not reading. She's, I well, mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. But she's, but she's explaining it to the guy. It kind of sounded like she was trying to paint a picture for him, but it, yeah, it felt so convenient. It felt so convenient. It's like, you know, you know, back, you know, back when I was in my apartment on, Third Street and Main, second house from the left. <laughs> yeah. Well, that entire uh, scene where she's describing her her uh, pathos and why she does what she does and all the oh god that that was just insufferable. It was just what, insufferable. It, it did go long. Like I said, there is padding. That's right. Yeah, he wasn't reading. She she was saying it to him, uh, but. Yeah, there, it was the padding that got to me in this one. It, it just felt stretched out. And I, I was like one of those going, if it would have got to the point in those moments were a little bit closer together, I probably would have enjoyed it more. But overall, I didn't think it was, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it enough for what it was. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to hate this movie. It's fun. It's just too much. It's just way too long, Scott. Oh, I liked it. As I said, yeah, it's I pretty much said it all. It's I really liked uh, how it combined the cheesy exploitation with some kind of deep, dark psychological themes. It's way too long. It's way too padded. As a 70-minute movie, this would be fantastic. But it's 90 minutes, as we said, you know. And, uh, you know, there's some bad acting and stuff like that. Shot on video movies, especially movies that were shot on video in 1990, you got to be a little bit forgiving, you know. And I think if you are, there's a lot of stuff in here to like. So... You know, it's it wasn't quite like the classic that I think it could have been with a little bit more polish and a little bit more trimming. But, you know, I liked this movie. I liked Gorgasm. Yeah. Unlike the next two movies we'll talk about, Mm. this movie for a shot on video movie felt great. The sound was pretty decent throughout. The visuals were eh, they they were overblown a little bit, like overexposed in some areas. But for the most part, it was well shot. But it, it suffers from what I I feel most exploitation films suffer from is just too long. And it was it was because Hugh wanted to try and sell this as a ninety minute movie. So I think honestly, my thought is if it was like the the next two, which are around sixty minutes, this would have been a great movie. I loved that length. I loved that length for the next two movies. So let's go ahead and move on to the second film of the night, uh-huh. the, the no budget version of Necromantic, <laughs> Gorotica. Now, Mark, give the people a synopsis for Gorotica. Uh, well, it's definitely different. We have two bank robbers or robbers, and they've stolen a diamond. And they uh, are getting chased by the cops, and they end up, one of them ends up swallowing the diamond to hide it from the cops. Brilliant. And they cross paths with a person, who, uh, a woman who's in the necrophilia. And we see how they try to figure out how to fence this diamond. Meanwhile, the uh, necrophilia lady uh, is busy waiting for one of them to die to get her jollies off. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a little more to it than well, that. But, yeah, you know. the, yeah, the guy does die pretty early. He dies right yeah. away in the alleyway. And then his friend, his bud, who's this punk, decides to go and steal a car from an obscenely drunk man <laughs> who is so what? drunk, he barely, What's... he just, yeah, here's my keys. Oh, have a good time. I just bought this car. Oh, I have the best for, time ever. For a minute, his... I thought it was the same guy from that was the lead in the other one because he looked so much like him, but I don't think it was. I no. don't think it was either because the story goes that this film was entirely cast by some dude down in Memphis that had seen Gorgasm and it's like, hey man, you need to make you got another movie you want to make? And and Hugh Gallagher sent 
this guy, this script he had sitting around called Wake the Dead. And the guy's like, oh, man, this is great. I, I got all the people here that could be in this movie. You just come on down and let's shoot it. And he showed up and he had the entire thing cast. So I don't believe there's anyone from uh, Gorgasm no, in this there, movie whatsoever. No, no there isn't uh, at all. It is dedicated to Anthony Perkins. So... Uh, which I thought was an interesting little touch in the beginning. But as far as the cast, no, this is like a separate, completely different movie. Yeah, yeah well, this very much takes cues from Jörg Bucharest's uh, Necromantic, mm -hmm. big time. I mean, it, it feels like a nobody, almost feels like Necromantic 2 for a little yeah, while. Yeah, I was going to say that because, I mean, I remember uh, when I finally saw Necromantic, you know, I discovered a lot of the off the beaten path horror i discovered not until the mid 90s because you know it wasn't available in the united states you know how do i get it you find out you know all about all this cool stuff and you know when i so when i finally got necromantic in that batch i thought okay it's kind of interesting you know kind of graphic i like what they're going for the corpse is definitely a wonderful special effect but I was like, okay, it's an okay movie. Necromantic 2 is the one I really liked, though. That really? Was I, thought. I thought Necromantic 2 actually had a story to it and was kind of clever. Oh, I don't like uh, Necromantic 2 at all. I prefer the first one. <laughs> and see, I, I, was, I kind of figured you might, actually. I was just like, I bet you Derek prefers the first. I but, do. Uh, I do. But yeah, towards the end, this definitely felt a little more like Necromantic 2, which is probably why it was towards the end that I like the end is the part that i liked <laughs> so. yeah well that's the thing about this one is that it's a very concise story but it is so strange that you never know where it's going at mm -hmm. any point starts off with a with a jewel heist very no budget darkly lit jewel heist in an alleyway <laughs> with and guns then, with not all the guns firing yeah oh exactly and no no sound effects the audio in this movie is pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And and then it moves to where he, this guy's driving his dead buddy around to, just all over town until they meet this goth chick in a cemetery. And then they go to her place and he has to call up the people that hired him to do this jewel heist. And while he's gone, this chick just decides to start fucking the corpse. <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, I'll take. Hey, you go right ahead. Go right ahead. I'll take care of him. And the movie literally starts off with a scene of her masturbating to gore sequences to the point that it's almost if you had seen my bud Corey Adler's movie, The Girl Who Played with the Dead, it's almost an identical sequence. And I'm sure I don't know if Corey's ever seen Gorotica, but there's a lot of similarities be between the opening sequence where our lead uh, female necrophile is masturbating to real shots of death and violence with a with a very fake skull, mm -hmm. a protracted <laughs> masturbation sequence. But anyways, so later when when the guy leaves and he the corpse is all stripped naked in a bathtub, she just starts having his way her way with him and then the bud comes back and doesn't say anything to the fact that this chick that night while they're trying to go to sleep is just loudly fucking this corpse <laughs> i know i know right <laughs> did i mean i was if i was that dude i'd be like 
what the fuck are you doing? Because <laughs> you just hear her. He's on the couch, you know, putting pillows over his ears and stuff while this chick's just going, oh, oh, just totally fucking this corpse in the other room. Scott, what do you think of how they handled the corpse fucking in this thing? Well, I mean, the, I think the idea behind this movie is that every single character in it is as completely amoral as possible. And the, I mean, there's even a, the whole, the, probably the best line in the movie is when he comes in towards the end. I'm not trying to skip ahead, but when he comes in towards the end, he sees this woman, like, you know, whipping this, whipping her friend while the friend is trying to fuck the dead guy and saying like, oh my God, I thought I lived a full life, but apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That was really funny because this guy, I mean, everybody in this movie is this total scumbag and are even to the point of that our hero or our protagonist or the closest thing we have is also a scumbag. So I think that, yeah, he's, you know, kind of like a little weirded out by this person, you know, but. Let's face it. I mean, he's not saying like, dude, come on, get off my friend, man. He just died. You know, she's not, he's not really protesting too much or anything like that. All he wants to do is, you know, like get the diamond out and, you know, get the hell out of the situation. You know, he doesn't want he doesn't really care. So the corpse fucking in this movie. I don't know. It was handled. Out. No, it I can't do it. No, I hated this movie. <laughs> you hate- oh, wow. I didn't like this movie. Uh, here's the thing is that, um, and there's, I hate saying that because there are parts of this movie that I did kind of see where, what he was going for. But here's the thing. It's the shortest one of our movies so far. It's an hour long. And I incidentally, guys, I accidentally watched these out of order. It didn't matter. They're all standalone movies. They're all standalone so. movies, but I thought like Gore Horror was the first one and like the, then the, you know, but uh, so I watched this last, you know, and I just finished it, you know, earlier tonight. And the reason why I finished it earlier tonight is because it's an hour long. That's it. When this movie was on, I dozed off. I fell asleep. Wow, that is shocking. I cannot even remotely say the same thing. I did. I just like I, it was this because it was the same thing over and over again. So I just kind of. Are you it, serious? It was. It was. It was. I just kind of knew where it was going. You said it, you didn't know where it was going. I'm like I know where this is going. No. <laughs> so oh, so let me get this. So Gorgasm, a movie that literally is the same scene repeated <laughs> five six times. That didn't bore you, but a movie that literally changes and constantly keeps morphing from scene to scene to something more and more fucked up, that bored you? It, I, you know, I don't know what it was. I think maybe it was the way it was shot. I mean, let's face it. This is, you know, of the three movies, it looks the worst. Oh, yeah. Well, it could have uh, been the copy that we had as well. It's very green. It's possible. It's very, it, you know, it was very grainy. It was. <clears throat> It looked out of sync in the audio department, you know, a lot of times. And it was, you know, the lighting was dark. So it was like, you know, just lots of these extended sequences that were kind of dark. And I had to go back, you know, when I when I had to when I resumed the movie, I had to go back and find the part, you know, where I would have like, you know, I didn't I didn't like just start it from where it was. I went back to make sure I saw the whole thing. But, uh, yeah, I just found the film very dull Wow. Even though even though all this stuff is happening. Yeah, that's the thing is that all this stuff was happening. 
But the way it was shot, it just didn't grab me. It didn't grab me. Man, this movie made me think like it was a high, it was so gritty and so gross and grimy. It reminded me of like street trash and combat shock, where there's there's certain sequences and alleyways that just look gritty and, and and just all the people were just so nasty looking, and all of them were scumbags, and each subsequent sequence just kept getting stranger and grosser as the movie went along that no. I was just, I was totally, I watched that. I pounded this thing out. I no, I'm not going to say it was my favorite one, but I really liked Gorotica. I, 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 yeah, I, I think I did not like it until she decides to sell the body to Blake. And when Blake came in, I thought things kind of picked up a little bit. You know, it was getting even more shocking for the time anyway, and more, uh, you know, non-PC as it were and stuff. But I just thought the whole tableau of there she is, she's got the whip going, you know, he's like just this on on all fours. You know, they've got the corpse stretched out on a glass table. You got the guy burst in with it. I'm like, okay, this is a really good tableau. I like this. I don't know why. I mean, it was it's the shortest movie and it see, would seem to be very action packed, but it just nothing grabbed me about it. Wow. It, 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 it. I thought it was the most boring of the three by far. Wow, this is shocking to me. Mark, what do you have to say? I didn't find it boring. Uh, I found the first one, I kept me interested a little more, but this one, I'm with you, Derek. I wasn't quite sure where it was going, and there were parts that I, I was really digging, uh, especially when they get the whole scene where, where he's walking on the street and the cops are slowly following him for you know, who knows why he's suspect because they didn't really do anything that anybody even suspected what he looked like, but he just runs from the cops and there's this great scene where oh, yeah. the cops are, are beating the tar out of him because they, they say he's a cop killer and they knock him down and so he grabs a rat. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> he grabs a rat and throws it at the one cop who has his gun, who, miss, who shoots off his gun and ends up shooting his partner in the head. <laughs> Dude, that rat throw is one of the greatest things I've seen in a movie in a while because I I literally stopped it. We were every single night this week. I sat and watched one of these movies and I watched it in bed while because I knew Amanda wouldn't want to watch it. So I had it on the iPad watching it and i i stopped it i'm like amanda you need to see this and it, i just rewound to, to the dude throwing the rat at the cop it is the jankiest cut the jankiest looking fucking rat throw and it just goes right to the guy's neck <laughs> i absolutely love that scene I'll that, tell you one. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Mark. No, I was just gonna say that scene had me rolling, and you know uh, some of the other scenes too, uh, especially when we get to that final fifteen minutes of it. I was like, okay, wow, this is really where they were going with it. I I did not realize that because when she was talking about how she had the body, I wasn't quite sure what she was doing, whether or not this was her cleanup man she was calling or what. And it turns out to be not so much her cleanup man as much as the backdoor man. Oh so, my God. That's, I don't want to give too much away because I think that's one scene that if you haven't seen this movie, it is one of the more unique things I've ever seen. I, I wouldn't have ever guessed that that was what was going to transpire, but I loved that sequence. 
I, yeah. it was just so dark and so weird and so gross the way they had uh, the the guy kind of painted up because he supposedly had AIDS and he, he looked like he was kind of rotting away. Um, oh, that scene is was very disturbing, very disturbing. Scott, what were you about to say? I was just about to say it's something that we would get a hint of. It, it happens a couple times in this movie. One of the scene sequences is the where the cop kills is killed, and it, it's something that they would do a lot more of in the next movie. Uh, like the first film, Goronica, uh, sorry, Gorgasm, had kind of more of like just like a straight, like almost like a metal soundtrack going on. Yeah. This one had a little bit of a more experimental soundtrack, and the next one will have an even more experimental soundtrack. And it was this thing that uses makes a great deal of great use of uh, samples and loops and stuff. And it the way it splices with the you know grainy shot on video it really works in fact it probably works better than it would be if somebody used the same music in a big movie oh yeah well it's industrial metal yeah it, that, it definitely that was like ministry or like my life with the thrill kill call it's that kind of stuff it um, is but it's even more low tech than that though yeah well i think it could have been the copy that we had because honestly i was i almost was convinced that it was a a ministry song that they were using oh was it oh well, no it wasn't it. but it sounded very i think it was a bunch of local acts that he knew uh because hugh gallagher was the guy who ran Draculina magazine. Right. So he had contact with a lot of these musicians and scream queens and all this kind of fringe um, art type stuff. And it I, there's a lot of different industrial acts that are on the, the end credit sequence. And the credit sequences are, are rather unique to that time as well. They looked like kind of like what you would see in a nine inch nails or a ministry video. So they, he was very are. much into it. The goth uh, industrial look and feel and aesthetic is very intrinsically a part of Gorotica. And that was what probably worked the best in this movie. I, I've, I had friends, you know, long time ago that was uh, that were into uh, th that were actually not just into it. Some of them actually uh, were musicians that were into like the whole industrial scene uh, back in the 90s around the same time this movie was made. And yeah, the tracks reminded me of something that I would a cut that I would have heard from one of their demos or something like that. And, uh, you know, they were always like the people who like they didn't even they yes, they had ministry and stuff, but they also had weird shit like nail bomb and all that, yeah. you know. And uh, so like I mean it, it really felt like that kind of stuff. And the way he cut with that was really good, well done. I think he did that did uh, a better job of that in the next movie, even though the next movie is nowhere near as gritty or serious. No, absolutely not. Um, but but that's what I like about all three of these is that they're even though they kind of they're thematically a trilogy. I think they're only really a trilogy because they use gore in each of the yeah. names. It yeah. has something to do with sexuality. Each, yeah. I mean, otherwise there's no tie between any. These are some of the same actors that tie between Gorotica and Gorehor because they were shot around the same time. But other than that. These are completely separate movies. Well, I'm not sure about that. Uh, they are. Okay. What, what is your, plead your case, Mark? <laughs> well, between Gorgasm and Gorehor, you have Chase. 
and Chase is a dis- is a cop who ended up getting fired from his job in the next one, not to spoil the the gore horror discussion, but and Chase was the detective in well the desk jockey slash detective in the first one. Mm, interesting, but the thing is. It, it would have had to take place before. Right. Well, no, I mean, the age of the actors. I'm not saying that it was if that was really what they were going for, but it was something that that character was similar to that. I'm not I'm wondering if he was, you know, it was probably just coincidental and he just used the same name. But I, have I a guess, feeling that's Mark, I have a feeling yeah. that's the case. But yeah, maybe I don't think is. I don't think there's supposed to be any ties. I know uh, Hugh had talked about wanting to continue that character and do like a gorgasm too, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden that cop w- without a hand, you know, he had had his hand chopped yeah. off in a very unconvincing way in, in gorgasm would go on and lead an army of gore whores. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying, you know, it, it was just the same character name. So it'd just be an alternative story with same character too. Yeah. It could be so. He might have just used the same title, so yeah. Um, but but that's a totally different movie. Gorotica, though, for my book, I love Necromantic One, and I felt Gorotica was very akin to Necromantic One, um, just without the kind of artistic flair. It was a, a very no nonsense, no budget, gritty, shot on video version of necromantic and i almost think it outdoes necromantic (laughs) to be honest it is just as it goes along is so depraved and so gross Mm -hmm. that i was just like wow the the end of this movie it has a great ending as well is it like a great exclamation point right at the end of it like i said like i said like basically the last like uh last say 15 minutes of the movie which I guess is the last quarter of the movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Are the, are the ones that are the part that I liked, basically, you know, <laughs> when he comes in and then the, there's like that bit afterwards. I mean, I think that it adds to kind of like this gritty, nihilistic noir thing going on, you know, kind of like a punk noir almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very much a punk movie all in, in every way, shape and form. So I, I really dig Garotica. I was really taken aside by this one because I, at first it feels so cheap that opening sequence where they're running from the cops after stealing the, the jewel is really fucking janky. Like it's not edited. Well, it's not shot. Well, it's, it looks cheap. And the vast majority of this movie isn't particularly shot well, but it's there's a tenacity to this movie that I really respected. And I, while I'm not huge into just nihilism for the sake of it, this movie worked for me. So I give it a big thumbs up, Mark. Yeah, I, I especially with it finishing strong in the beginning, I wasn't quite sure. I was like, okay, they're just going more. They're just going for more shock here. There's more more graphic in the nudity and the sex and such. Uh, because a- as much as it was in the first one, it actually was kind of tame uh, compared to this one by quite a bit. So, you know, they, they upped that level of sex and, and the type of sex in it. But it finishes strong. And it also shows you a sign of... As what I mentioned at the beginning of the show is a little bit of a window into the culture of the 90s 
because of the one character, because he had AIDS, you know, that, that was the hot topic when this was made. I mean, that was the, you know, so the, they're working it into there being almost topical for uh, the times it was made as well. And yeah, and for what it was, it starts off rough, but I think it, it finished strong. And, and it's because of that ending. I think I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to at the beginning of the film. Well, that that calls to the power of having a good ending to a movie. You know, sometimes a good ending will save a really shitty or mundane movie in my book. Um, But unfortunately for Scott, that did not happen. Correct. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I said I liked the ending and it's not like the worst movie ever. It's just that I found I thought a lot of the early parts uh, were especially like when he's trying to like when he's running around trying to get the deal made and, you know, she's busy fucking the corpse. I just found it. I, I was bored. I mean, and, you know, boy, it says something about, you know, how disaffected we are when you have like this ending you know, with this, you know, there's necrophilia. There's, you know, AIDS obviously used as a specter for exploitation purposes. There's dominatrix. There's, um, you know, people getting shot, people getting killed. And, I think that if you like just showed this to somebody, you know, your average person who didn't watch a lot of like horror films or anything, they'd be kind of shocked even today. I think it says something when, you know, people like us who have seen a lot of stuff like this, I, I, I for one was just going like, huh, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I just, it was a good attempt. I just didn't, I just didn't like it at all though. I, I mean, I've, if I'm going to be totally honest, I've, I've, I've found the movie dull. Sorry. Mm, interesting. Very interesting. I think a lot of underground cinema, it plays a lot like Gorotica. And uh, it's amazing back in 93 that something this subversive would come out of the shot on video uh, horror realm. So let's go ahead and move on to the last movie of the night 1994's Gore Horror. Gore Horror is the lovely tale <laughs> of, a, of a street hooker who's brought back to life by a scientist who needs blood in order to survive and also needs a serum that she injects into herself via a huge syringe and a black dildo. And we have a cop that is hired by the scientist after uh, the quote-unquote titular gore whore um, escapes uh, captivity from the scientist. This cop is hired in order to find the um, serum and bring it back because 
little do we know that is the serum for life itself. Gore horror is a mixture of a vampire film, is a mixture of a sexploitation film, and reanimator. <laughs> it is one of the strangest things I've ever seen. The female lead in this movie is so striking. Her, mm-hmm. her eyes, her look, her demeanor. She just, she one, she screams 90s. She absolutely screams like that punk industrial 90s goth chick. And uh, there's tons of sex, tons of gore. And when you see that black dildo get whipped out, you're like, what the fuck is just about to happen here? And man, is this one strange fucking movie. Mark, what did you think of this? texted you going i don't think i've ever seen a movie open with the superimposed image of a black dildo over the credits in my life i'm like what is what movie are we in for and yeah uh this movie was was why it was just yeah, it was bizarre. You could see like they took he had like all of his favorite type of horror films and he tried to put those elements and work them together. I was really getting that reanimator vibe in this, you know, the cop. Uh, again, we get even more uh, gratuitous nudity in this, I think probably the most out of the three in that you see the most of the female and it is really different um i i did dig the story though i would say out of the three the narrative for this was the maybe most coherent most most thought out it felt like it it really had a lot of ground they covered in this narrative it felt like a a, out of the three uh like really legit they're trying to be a real legitimate movie uh, but also with all those exploitation factors in it, yeah, I was I was impressed. I was like, wow, this is this is just a crazy film. I, yeah, no, no shit. You can you can easily say it's a crazy film because I've never seen a movie where an army of the undead is created by shoving a black dildo into a corpse's asses to reanimate them. Yeah, this is just this movie is fucking something else. Scott, where where do you stand on gore horror? Oh man. Oh, man. Hopefully you got enough from my personality on other episodes to know that I loved this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Do you would. I knew it. This movie was I mean, this had everything I love. I'm so happy that I have used this footage from this in the opening for the uh, movieocrity episodes because it deserves a movieocrity episode of its of its own. It is so wacky. It is so over the top. You know, the tone is completely different than uh other movies the only uh remaining thing is that you know the cop main cop is a real dirt bag and he's got a very you know misanthropic view of the world at this point because you know life has kicked him down since his wife died but um i mean it's got everything in it it's got it it, it, i i think yes that actress audrey street i can't believe she never did anything else she has just this look about her and it's really well done for 1994 this film was really well put together i mean it's bargain basement special effects and such but as i said earlier shot on video you got to be a little bit forgiving and i think it uses them in a really fun imaginative way 
it keeps you on your toes from moment to moment. Um, it's got lots of sex, lots of violence, uh, even has a, like a bit of a message on it, you know, about how like she was like basically used for her entire life. And now she's trying, they're trying to use her in death too. Like, like where I'm like, you know, you would never say it from like, you know, because of, you know, not only, you know, what the other movies are, the content, but it were almost threatens to have like a really powerful feminist message at some point. But, you know, again, the movie is called Gore Whore, so come on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's not give him too much credit. But, but yeah, this movie, it it was so much uh, fun. It had, uh, it had just, it just constantly kept going. And I was really, I was really surprised by this movie because uh, in a lot of shot on video films, you get a lot of padding, as we've seen earlier tonight, even. Uh, you get, you know, a lot of people taking shortcuts, a lot of, you know, boring, long exposition scenes. That's like a lot of these sequences what these lot are in a lot of these films because they can't really afford to shoot a lot of huge dynamic sequences. A lot of times this one said, screw it. We're going to give it its best shot anyway. And it just keeps going uh, it, it, as crazy as this gets. It just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. Uh, and then it just ends. And then the ending, <laughs> another amazing ending. The yeah. final shots of this movie are awesome. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I I really liked Gore Horror a lot. Gorgasm, I thought was was good. This movie, I think, is great. It, can you believe they shot each of these? I think the first two they shot in like five days. This one they shot in seven. Well, they had yeah. they had a, a second unit camera unit because it's credited a second camera unit. <laughs> I was like, they had a second camera unit on this. <laughs> Are we sure that that, that that just doesn't mean that they just had a second camera? <laughs> <laughs> no, that would well, not shock me I, whatsoever. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me either. But uh, yeah, one of my favorite characters in here, though, one of my favorite shots in this whole movie, it sounds weird, was the old man with the dog. I love the old man with the dog. <laughs> Did you guys re- remember him? She yeah. Gets out, she gets out of the car going to the, the woman who hired her, and she waves, and that cold man looks like the happiest guy in the world with his dog, <laughs> and he's just waving, and I just chuckled. I like They like just so grabbed some guy on the street and said, hey, you want to be in a film? Can we shoot you? And he's like, sure. Okay, wave to the camera. Hi. <laughs> I'm sure that was exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This movie, man... By the halfway point, I was I wasn't a hundred percent sold on this because I was just like, this is really fucking weird, but I don't know where the fuck this is going. Because when you get to the point where she strips nude in a in probably in a, the only cemetery I've ever seen that has like four tombstones, <laughs> and and she starts injecting herself with the serum, I was just like. What the fuck is going on? We were at the point where the guy was in the VW yeah, no, jerking off. He, he was, he was. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Wait. 
talk about the, the fucking most hilarious scene in the whole movie. Mark talked about the goddamn old man with the dog, that chipperous old man with the dog. No, there's this scene oddly reminiscent. It looked just like out of something out of violent shit one where it is some rando dude with a portal mag walks down this rural road hops in a decrepit old pink uh, bug looks around hops in and proceeds to bait it literally in the middle of the day just like out of nowhere there's a masturbation <laughs> sequence <laughs> that, oh my god I was just like what the f- <laughs> This dude, have you seen the dick? And he's just fucking going to pound town on himself. This guy, he's just, he's, and then the car gets hit and he gets killed. Oh my God. You never know what the fuck's going to happen in this movie. Then all of a sudden, zombies show up. And this is one of those rare movies, kind of like when we had talked about Violent Shit 3, where it just sideswipes you. Where you're just like, once it starts rolling, it doesn't stop until the end. And I got to say, this was the best movie of the night. Yeah. By far. Yeah. I, I will I will definitely agree. This Out of the three, this was probably my favorite uh, of the three, the favorite watches. Uh, most entertaining, that's for sure. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it, like I said, I think the first 20 minutes, it, it just setting up the world and it seems again like we're going to get a lot of rinse repeat kind of like oh she's going to show up and kill some random joe or a chick or whatever because she's kind of a hooker um at least that's the character she plays and there's there's just a point where when she finally injects herself with the serum that the movie totally goes bonkers (laughs) it just like goes straight off the rails into a cliff the she the movie blows up and then a clown pops out of it. That's just what this movie felt like to me. It's just yeah. like this movie was absolutely apeshit bonkers. So uh, kind of like Violent Shit 3, where after Violent Shit 1 and 2, you and I were kind of like, oh, man, we got to really fucking watch another one of these things. But Gore Horror delivered big time. Yeah. Big, I, big time. I watched these out of order, as I said. I mean, I thought that. I really thought for the longest time that Gore Horror was the first movie and that the other two were sequels. It was going to be like Gore Horror Rides Again. <laughs> and then Gore and then like Gore Horror Goes Hawaiian. You know, I really thought that we were going to get it, you know, and like, oh, I wanted to see like the vacation movies, but with Gore Horror. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate that after this, he only ever made one more movie called Exploding Angel. Um, which I I've never seen nor have actually ever heard of until this show when we sat and watched these movies. And I, I kind of wanted to dig in deeper to see what else, because I was familiar with Gore Horror and Gorotica. Gorgasm. I wasn't too familiar with like I'd see I'd seen these on shelves and read about them before, but I had never seen them, which I'm really glad we did this episode because I think at least Gore Horror is going to be something that I'll show it like when I have a gathering of, of friends and we're watching weird movies, gore horror will go on. There's, a, <laughs> there's no doubt about it because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm really happy that I, that I found this one. It's that's, this is the reason why I do these shot on video shows is because you never know 
when you're going to find the next batshit crazy exploitation gore flick. You never know. And most of them in the early 90s and the late 80s were these shot on video flicks. So I, I, I'm hoping that somebody out there is digging these shows because you need to start seeing some of this stuff. Gore horror of any of the movies tonight should be the one you should definitely go check out. Mark, out of the three of these, what's your what's your pick? Yeah, gore horror out of the three. If nothing else, for binocular vision that they did when he was spying on her in the graveyard, that that overlay they did was just—it was hilarious. It it's wild. It's like I said, it's the one that feels the uh, the first one was all right, but this one really feels like a movie. Like, you know, from start to finish, it, while it's wild and crazy, the way the narrative and everything plays out, it just keeps, as Scott go, said, it keeps going. And it, but it, it's got a beginning, middle and end. It's got a coherent narrative. And and there's a lot more in the story than rinse, wash, repeat. Definitely out of the three watch core horror, because it, it, especially if you're a fan of like the trauma uh, you know, early trauma stuff. Uh, this is even more, kind of more extreme than that in place. It's in darker. a lot of places, That's it's darker. Sure. It's darker, but it's got some of that spirit as well. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's I, definitely some of that spirit because there's that sequence in the the club where she's the only person in the venue listening to this really shitty clown band. <laughs> that and band was awful. <laughs> they were terrible, and, and I get, they must have been a local band too. Oh, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. But all three of them want to fuck her really badly. And they are just straight out of a trauma film. These three dudes just <laughs> they're overacting like crazy. But yeah, this movie is definitely I, I agree with that. Scott, you're probably going to say gore horror out of the three. Of these, oh, right? easily. Yeah. I mean, like it's like I said, I liked Gorgasm. I would recommend Gorgasm. But gore horror is really a lot of fun. I mean, you you hear the title, you think, okay, it's just it's going to be trashy, but you also think it's going to be really uh, the type of movie that would turn a lot of people off. I, I you know what I say, go for it. I just say go for it because this movie was so much fun. It, 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 and yes, it gets really graphic, but come on, this movie is so silly that it's hard to be offended by it and then it will actually hit you with some unexpected drama and i really had a great time with gore horror i thought it was a wonderful movie and it was uh it, it it's like you said derek i mean it's the kind of thing where it makes projects where you might go through a bunch of stuff and not find any winners when you can find a movie like that it makes it all worthwhile and that's really what i felt after seeing this movie i thought it was a lot of fun yeah yeah if you're looking for for kind of the fluffy horror titty flick that's gorgasm if you're looking for the nihilistic dark really subversive flick that's going to be gorotica and if you're looking for the just apeshit bonkers movie it's gore horror i i think i agree with you that you know the title kind of belies what's inside of it because even though you know it perfectly describes what the movie is it, it feels like that title makes me think it's going to be a really nihilistic film. Like it's going to be a really mean spirited film. Mm. And I don't think gore horror is, I think Gorotica is very mean spirited. Yeah. Yeah. Like it very much wants to 
offend you and it very much wants to revel in its depravity and its darkness. And there's sequences in Gorotica that I thought were, were, were sort of lighthearted, but it definitely wants to hit a nerve. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's far more mean spirited. And I think that that sequence with, you know, where she sells the body off, I think some people could be really offended by that sequence. Oh, I think so. It's oh. like it's one of those movies though that would use um I I still don't like it when people like make AIDS jokes today. Like Well, it's uh, a combination of not only AIDS but the homosexuality tied to it. And, right. and uh but like this but at this point this was like, you know, it was really really taboo and this was <coughs> using it for exploitation purposes again. Because I could kind of see through that, I didn't get offended by it, but I can see where right. it definitely would. Yeah, well, it'd be it'd be real easy to because that the portrayal of the person with the alternative lifestyle changed from like the eighties to the nineties because it got associated with just because a person was was homosexual doesn't mean they had AIDS. But in the nineties, a lot of homosexuality was painted was immediately associated with AIDS whereas in the 80s homosexuality felt a little bit more like it was the joke sort of you know it was the yeah. joke character it was the haha character the flaming and then when you get into the 90s now it's the 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 depraved version you know, how they portray it in Gorotica were was how many people out there thought of homosexuality yeah he was a ghoul he was definitely a ghoul in that right movie. you know and what and it, sorry go ahead no go ahead go well, ahead you were, i'll let you finish your thought or no I'm, I'm done go ahead okay i was gonna say you know around you just reminded me of something uh a <laughs> few years after gorotica uh came out uh it would have been probably i don't know like 90s Seven ninety six ninety seven something around there. Uh, I remember that uh, you know, for a long time you couldn't have a gay character unless it was the joke character, as you said. And then you had Philadelphia come out, mm-hmm. and then you had, and then suddenly we got more movies. And I, you know, mentioned that to somebody that I was going, I was in college at the time, and I was going to school with this woman, and we went to go see this movie together. And I said, that's kind of interesting how you now you can have the characters on screen uh, you know there was philadelphia there was jeffrey and we had just i it had come up because we just saw a trailer for the movie uh, it's my life or it's my party uh, with uh, eric roberts when he played that and she, I, I said and now it seems like they're kind of slowly coming around to it and she says well yeah it's okay for hollywood as long as they're dying mm-hmm and you had to, and you didn't. I, I didn't even make the con- connection until like, yeah. Either in movies still well into the mid '90s, either they were at like completely like you know flaming effeminate, like from Birdcage or Love, Valor, Compassion, or they were dying. It was one of the two, and uh, I don't know why. I, that might be off subject here, so I don't know if that's... No, I don't think so, because I think the movie, the, all three of these movies speak very highly towards sexuality and obsessiveness with sexuality, yeah. and all forms of sexuality are shown as deviant. Yeah, and this one, uh, and this was kind of like, kind of like that, but 
you know, kind of a precursor to that. And I don't know, you know, I'm not going to like say what, like what their opinion of it is. I doubt that there's really that much shame in Neil Gallagher's actual life or anything like that because he shines such a spotlight on it. But uh, that was something that would continue into mainstream films like well until like the early 21st century, you know? Yeah, I don't think he I don't think Hugh Gallagher was looking to Hugh Gallagher, like, sorry, yeah. He, I don't think he was looking to be mean-spirited in that way, like to to poke fun at any gender or sexuality, but other than just using them as shock devices. Yeah. In mm-hmm. these movies. And I don't believe that was that was in like man, I hate the, these people no. and I want to show them as ghouls. No, it's just no. everybody in these movies are fucking ghouls. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So. I, didn't, I, I didn't and I didn't want to suggest that, but it was I, I just wanted to say, like, you know, that it kind of they they would never even put somebody on with AIDS on screen. They would not acknowledge it. You know, you thought the Reagan administration was slow to acknowledge AIDS. You know, Hollywood would took even longer. And uh, they and they would just like kind of stay shy away from the whole subject matter. But that would that whole thing, it would continue. And it, it, what Mark was saying, it really reminded me of what my friend said all those years ago. As I said, wow, it seemed like there was never any gay people on screen before. And now there's a lot of representation. And she says it's OK for them as long as they're dying, mm-hmm. as long as you can show them as being somehow being punished for being gay or make them a joke that they're gay. It's okay. It's all right to show that. And I think that, uh, this kind of, there's a little, lot of that, you know, that shame, that hypocrisy is some of the stuff that Gallagher was kind of shining a spotlight on. I I do too. In Gorehor, there's a character, um, one of the, clients that the gore whore goes to see is a female yep. that is a, is a closeted homosexual. Mm-hmm. And that sequence before, obviously she rips her to shreds and blah, 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 is almost tender in the way that it, it kind of shows the humanity of this woman who is having to live this suppressed life. Well, she gives she gives that bit of exposition of it, kind of explaining why she was doing it and how her husband didn't understand and, and how she's had to stay repressed. And there's actually a, a, a bit of potent dialogue in that little scene there, uh, uh, kind of, you know, uh, uh, justifying a bit why she was doing what she was doing. And yeah, it, w- it was kind of surprising. We get this bit in here. Like, I'm like, Oh wow. That's, you know, it's addressing that yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and showing what, what lengths some people were kind of forced to go to because it was, you know, an alternative lifestyle or or whatnot was still looked upon so poorly. In their own twisted way, these movies are pretty sex positive. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're all comments on sexuality on And while they may be using sexuality as a weapon, for the most, I think every single lead in this, at least the female leads, are all dangerous women that use sexuality as a weapon. Right. Uh, they're very much commenting on what is considered deviant lifestyles. And while I think normative people would probably look at it and go, yeah, this is some pretty fucked up shit. 
it is trying to normalize some of that stuff, don't you think? Yeah, I, I, I'm not either normalize or a little bit or just maybe explain a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you said, normalize, I guess. Yeah, it'd be the best way to put it. A little bit, as in... Not much, but I mean no. in, a, in a certain way. Not the way that John Waters would try and normalize what was considered fringe lifestyles. It, it's It's more like... It, it like Scott had been saying, where it's showcasing things that weren't necessarily of the norm, and most people weren't showing in movies. Well, also, you know, when you would look at um, some of the things, I mean, they didn't, they wouldn't just show somebody who was interested in S and M. They wouldn't just show somebody who was gay. They wouldn't just show somebody who's. Uh, uh, you know, was hit carrying on an extramarital. Th- they went to lengths to kind of give some sort of explanation for their behavior right. and for the way they are, where you got this. And because of that, whether it's a film as gritty as Garotica or as, you know, cheesy as Gorehor, you really got a sense of who these people were and that there is a humanity behind the sexuality. I think that, you know, the, as I said, the thing, the rationale that uh, Audrey street uses in Gorehor is kind of, t- uh, I mean, it's almost touching in a way it's uh, it's, and uh, the, the, the way they, they do it there, it's not just there just to be there there's an explanation behind it which says that yes we're doing exploitation but i really think that he was going for something more as well well i think in general across the three movies if you were going to say anything it's about women that are using men yeah for the first time as opposed to men using women Mm -hmm. and it's a complete turn of events and a play on that all the women are very strong and aren't ashamed of who they are and are using men's sexuality against them. I think that's the overall thematic uh, string through this entire series. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. agree with that. I would agree with that. Like I said, it's like Gorehor could almost be considered feminist. I don't well, know. I would I never say that. that. I said, I said, no, I said almost. Because I also said the movie's called Gore Horror. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> far too exploitive. I mean, we are kind of getting a little more pretentious than we need to about these three movies. But, but there, there it's are. Like, it's like Miss 45, though, you know? Yeah, you well, know? there's there's more being said beyond just the straight exploitation. You can take these movies at face value, but if you really wanted to dig into them, there's stuff there. Mm-hmm. There's definitely stuff there for shot on video movies. So I'm glad we did this episode. I actually yeah. liked all three of these movies. I do think Gorgasm could use, and there was a, in those interviews I had talked about, uh, Gallagher had spoke that he would love to do a, a recut of Gorgasm because he also feels that it's far too long. Mm-hmm. He said he would get rid of all of the boring shit and cut it down. He said like a good 20 minutes could be gone and it would be fine. And if he did that, man, I think it would be a great flick. So I would recommend all three of these movies to people out there. All my sickos out there. These aren't movies for general horror fans. They just aren't. You're not going to have the stomach for them. Like Scott said, you're going to have to get beyond the look of them. And by now this is our third shot on video episode. 
If you don't realize what these movies are, they, for the most part, they were sold as bait and switches at mom and pop video stores where they had amazingly lurid covers. And then you get them home and go, oh man, this looks like a home video. What am I watching here? <laughs> so if, you're not, if you can't handle that, then don't even bother watching these movies. But if you're into weird underground stuff, I think these are three great movies to try and check out. And Rong Bonk at uh, SRS Cinema has released all of these. Oh, Good nice. old Ron. I like him. Great, great new versions. So go support uh, SRS, Ron, and uh, Hugh, and go pick these up. Great new touched-up versions. I need to get them because my old versions suck. They suck. Garotica and Gorhor looked like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for this episode. The next, I'm trying to think, what is our next shot on video oh. episode we're going to do boys i want to say it was the it was our first viewer or our yeah our verse listener voted episode let me check here i'm checking too here yep the next shot nope no 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 i'm wrong it's the next five, episode five, we're going to do on the shot on video series is we're going back to the world of violent shit and we're going to, Mark and I, and one of our listeners that gave me this movie, we're going to be exploring Violent Shit 4, Carl the Butcher vs. Axe, and the remake of Violent Shit, Violent Shit the movie. So get prepared for that. And then coming up after that, we're going to dig into the movies that you listeners voted on at the Astro Radio Z Facebook group. We're going to go through the Burning Moon we're going to go through Redneck Zombies, the Truth or Dare franchise, and Boarding House. Those are some of the ones that are coming up soon here on Astro Radio Z. But next week, we're going to finish out for 2017, the Puppet Master series. So get ready. That's not going to be the last Puppet Master episode because there's two more being made right now. <laughs> This happens every fucking time I do one of these damn things. It's because, you know, it's because you have your finger on the pulse, man. They, you know, they said like, Jesus, Astro Radio Z is really interested in these. We have to give the people what they want. <laughs> give the people what they want. And what do they want? More, More shitty movies. Master. More no, shitty movies. I, I don't know if that's completely true, Scott. Otherwise, you'd be jumping up and down with them making more Vice Academy films, but they haven't made any more of those. Uh, so. We've already uh, covered that. Rick had a script. I know. I know. Praise, <laughs> praise Allah. Op- he has opted to not make. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Rick Sloan, for opting not to make any more Vice Academy movies. I thank you. I like you, Rick. I don't want to. I don't want to sit and disparage you, but thank you for not making any more Vice Academy. <laughs> so, from here, this is the portion of the show where my guests shamelessly shill the fuck out of you, Mr. Scott Davis. Shill your ass off. Oh, let me get my ass ready. Okay, well. Uh, you can uh, read my stuff at moviocrity.com. You can also, uh, and that's where I'll, you know, have all my like articles that I write. I put up links to podcasts I'm on, like Derek's show, Mark's show, uh, my friend Austin Kennedy's show on the films of 1973. I'm going to be on a couple of those episodes. I suggest you check that one out. Um, also, uh, you can check out my web series that I'd like to get going again soon. But if not, you can catch out all the old episodes. A lot of them have a little clip of Gorehor at the beginning 
That show is called Moviocrity, and you can catch it at vimeo.com slash channel slash Moviocrity. Mark the movie, man. Shill it. Well, you can find most of my stuff at Special Mark Productions, where you have links to uh, the work I do on the Final Cut, my Final Cut movie reviews. I also have the Spoiler Room uh, podcast, which uh, these fine gentlemen and uh, other familiar voices have been on as well. Uh, you can catch me at the Movie Man's Movie Minute on Galactic Netcasts. I also do occasionally written reviews for We Live Entertainment, as well as a weekly episode there for Horror Thursdays for their YouTube channel. And that's it, folks. We're gonna. I'm gonna give you some parting wisdom here. Next time you're walking down a road and you see a, a pink VW bug, keep your dick in your pants. Don't <laughs> masturbate in that thing. Just keep moving on. You can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are found. Please, help us by subscribing, rating the show, and giving us a review. It helps us get the show out to more listeners. Also, if you would like to hear more of the show and be a more active participant, Join the Astro Radio Z Facebook group and page, and join the Patreon. For only one dollar a month, you get bonus episodes. Thank you for listening, see you next week Astro Zombies.